Welcome to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Get ready for the latest veterinary news, information and entertainment. Don't forget to visit us at the Vet Gurus website, vetgurus.com. Now, sit back, relax, it's over to the Vet Gurus, Brendan and Mark. Welcome, Brendan here, Mark here, episode 200, Mark, episode 200, Friday 30th of July 2021, woohoo, it's the big 200, Mark, and we've got our prize pack to give away, we've got a draw, we have our sponsors to thank, we've got some news stories, and we also have an agenda, which is one line, let's talk about something, and that was our agenda, how are you, Mark? I'm great, Brendan. And how are you? Um, this I didn't, you know, how does 200 make you feel? Like, I didn't think we'd, when you first started this process and, and suggested we do this, I thought, you know, we might do 10 or 15 episodes. Oh. And look, <laughs> the production values so have, not, have not improved at all um, over 200 episodes. 10 or 15 and maybe half a dozen of our mates would have listened to it and then we would have, you know, said what a wonderful job we did. But um, 200, I never would have believed we'd get to no, 200 exactly. episodes. It's, it's a lot of episodes, Mark, and it was, when was it? It was a long time ago that we started. <laughs> and I think I wrote it down here. It was episode one was on November the 1st, 2017, Mark. And now that's way before COVID, isn't it? 2017, that was um, back in the olden days when things were relatively normal. But yes, no, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. And I think the, the reason why we keep going is, one, we like to catch up each week and have a chat. That's probably number one as far as I'm concerned. But it's also those listeners and our subscribers and our sponsors as well um, that keep us coming back, Mark, because, yeah, I just get such a buzz about anybody sending an email just saying hello and just listening or, or, or seeing where they, where they come from in the world. It's, it's great. It's good to see colleagues all over the world and it's great to get some new friends, Mark. Um, so that's why I, I think um, I like to keep doing it. Who knows? I'm looking forward to number 300, Mark. What about you? I, I can see no reason why we won't get there. If we can get this far, I think that uh, we can look forward to the big three zero zero in the future. Yes, and I remember we used to look at all the statistics early on about um, what chance has a podcast has as far as um, continuing, and it was I think it was something like that. If you get to your fiftieth episode, then um, you're in the top two percent of podcasts because so many of them don't make it any further than that. And, Do you think um, that says something about our pig-headedness more than any any intrinsic value? I think it's just that we like to talk a lot of crap, Mark, um, and we've got so many topics of um, interest. Um, our main topics are usually things that. We want to find out more about, I think. Um, so we put our thoughts out there and then we get feedback about it. Um, so, um, And it is, yeah, I, I agree with you entirely about the, the one of the unexpected um, things about podcasts for me. You know, I'm a consumer of some other podcasts and I, I feel guilty that I don't 
contribute to that two-way bit of information. I'm a consumer, a you know, listener, lurker, whatever you want to call me. Um, but um, on our podcast, the interaction um, is is a big part of the reason for keeping going, as you said before. Um, that network of people who um, see some of the same problems that we do, that um, have some of the same experiences. It's a um, it's an invaluable and uplifting thing. Yes. And I think there's a few people waiting for our oh. prize draw, Mark. And be, but before we before we draw that number out of a random number generator hat, um, we need to thank all our sponsors, um, which are Microchips Australia, Specialised Animal Nutrition and Chemical Essentials, and all those those three great long term sponsors have provided part of the swag for the giveaway, Mark, and um, they've stuck with us through thick and thin over, well, probably well over a year, probably two years or so now, and they help pay the hosting and the website bills, etc. So we can't keep going without them and also our subscribers, our, our fantastic loyal subscribers from all the countries. Thank you all and, and keep sending in emails and saying hello to us. We, we don't, um, we, um, we don't, not reply. We we reply to everybody. In other words, we reply to everybody, and also they Patreon subscribers. We have a few subscribers in Patreon who give us a weekly donation. Thank you very much. Um, and you can go to our website vetgurus at gmail dot com and click on help us um, and click through to our Patreon site. And that might be something as small mark as one dollar Australian. A month you might want to contribute to help us and that, that every little bit helps as far as all our our fees for the recording program and the website hosting etc um, so thank you all for that and yeah i think let me pull up mark i'll pull up the list of of all the people who entered our competition well we're not going to call it a competition we're calling it a giveaway because you didn't have to do anything um and yes i've got the list here mark and there's a good spread there's obviously a few people from um, around our region in the Australasian region, but there's some people from um, certainly some other countries that I wouldn't have thought we'd have have a good list, listenership. Um, and um, it will be interesting to see who you pull out of the random number generator, Mark. So can you click on generate a number and just give me a, a random number and I will read out the winner of the giveaway. I'm pressing the blue button right now. The numbers are cycling. <laughs> and there it is, number 12. Oh, number 12. Oh, I'll tell you what, this one's close to home. So um, our sponsors are going to be happy <laughs> with this. Um, the winner is Ruth Barrett, um, who works at RSPCA in Victoria here, Mark, not far away from me. So congratulations, Ruth. You have a giveaway pack heading your way soon and it won't be just one pack, it will be several because they'll all be coming separately from all our sponsors. So uh, Microchips Australia and Doug and the team there are supplying a um, Lone Star Retractor kit, which they're fantastic and Mark and I have spoken about them many times. Um, Jen from Oxbow Australia, Specialised Animal Nutrition, is supplying a, an amazing pack from Oxbow Australia and it was a, a few knickknacks and, and some collectibles mark um, that um, that the value is 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 well it's it's they're invaluable let's just put it that way mark um, what Jen is sending and 
Chemical Essentials and Andrew and his team are sending a veterinary textbook. And the veterinary textbook is one of the reptile textbooks that um, there's a very good anesthesia chapter in there, Mark, I hear, um, that you know fully well about, um, that you spent a bit of time um, penning that chapter. So um, that's only part of what you'll be getting, Ruth, and we'll, we will also send you something from Mark and myself as well, which you've yet to decide what we'll send you. might be a print, for instance, um, for you. And um, if you can drop us a line, Ruth, vetgurus at gmail.com, and just give us your details there as far as the postal address, and we'll send you out the prize pack. So congratulations. So there you go, Mark. Ruth is our winner. All that excitement has just left me a bit breathless, Brendan. It's been such a build-up, and uh, yeah, congratulations to Ruth, and thanks for everyone else who uh, who did take the time to um, send us a message and and help us generate some excitement about the where we might get to send those prizes. Um, we hope you keep going so and re-enter whatever competition we have as we get to three hundred. We'll uh, yes, and. Um some of the other oh actually do you want to draw out another number mark um just in case we have something else to send to a um a runner-up well i didn't close you probably close the website i was not uh i'm just uh, <laughs> pressing the little blue button and the numbers are flicking along and number five comes up number five. Oh well another one close to home mark this is Anne. And from Sydney, we know Anne very well, Dr. Anne, Dr. Anne Quaid. Um, <laughs> and and um, um, we're both having a little chuckle about Anne winning something, but hopefully we'll send you something out as well, Anne. Um, so there we go. But um, I was hoping that one of our overseas w- um, subscribers and entrants would win, Mark, and we've had subscribers or entrants from countries including Portugal, India, Sweden, um, USA, there's a few from USA, Canada. Um, uh, there's a couple. Well, there's a couple there. I haven't written. I, I've forgotten to write down the country they came from. So all over the place, Mark. But um, don't give up. You can apply for our giveaway for our two hundred and fiftieth episode. The next party episode will be two fifty. Yes, it certainly will be. So there we go. So yes. So there we go, Mark. That's the that's the swag given away, and um, we'll probably get most of our subscribers flicking off this episode now. Um, but there's lots of other news and goodness to come in our 200th mark. And I'm going to kick it off with my one and only news story, which is a good news story. I thought we should have good news stories for our 200th mark, and it's it's a quick one. It's about a new species of tree, hyrax, has been discovered, and. Uh, yeah, scrolling down here. Um, it was published in the Zoological Journal of the Linnaean Society. And it, where did they find them, Mark? I can't see where they found them. Um, I think they're uh, between Niger and. Um, between. I'm the same as you, that I read this. Uh, suspected this. Uh, in the hills in Kenya, by the look of it. Um, was it? Um, gee, this our studies, a little research. Um, you can see I've read through this one um, previously, Mark. Um, and the only reason why they found it is they set up traps. They thought thought they heard um, a hyrax or similar species with a very distinct 
um, sort of bark um, call in, and um, and yet um, they only found it by setting up a little a little trap there, Mark, um, in the West yes. African forests. Um, in Western Nigeria, and um, I think the researchers were actually looking at other species, and they uh, they done some uh, taping and some. Uh, um, auditory work at night, and then they set some um, some camera traps. Um, and but they were familiar with one of the hyrax calls, but um, they got a new one, unlike the one they'd heard on the other side of the Niger River. So um, the, it, this story fascinates me, Brendan, because I reckon it's um, uh, it's very difficult to be. Um, the, the calls have of different species, whether they be birds or hyraxes or any other animal, they have to be very different to suspect uh, to lead you to suspect it's a new species. So um, the calls must have been profoundly different. Later DNA stuff um, revealed them to definitely be different species. So um, that's pretty cool work. Yes, and one of the authors tries to put a positive spin on it saying that the newly described species could be a boon to local conservation efforts saying that it's an area where climate change habitat loss and human expansion expansion already pose a possible threat to the newly christened species mark um, and they said oh you can go to a government official and say look do you realize you have a unique animal here um, do you think that'll stop them clearing the habitat there mark I wish have, they I would. I'm trying to be positive. Yes, they will. They definitely um, will. They definitely will. So there you go. That's my news story that um, was very poorly described there from me, Mark. Hopefully you do better with your one. Well, um, look, you, my one's a, um, a wonderful local story, um, uh, local to, you know, where I come from uh, in New South Wales, Newcastle, um, and um, in the journal ethology, um, John Gould, a behavioural biologist at the University of Newcastle, um, he was doing some research on frogs in the Wadigan Mountains, just in the um, the hills back up behind um, my house, in fact. And um, as he was looking in for tadpoles in ephemeral pools by the roads, um, he spotted some black objects just a little bit smaller than the fingernail of his little finger, um, and um, and they were sort of swimming across the surface. Um, but what he realised was that they were beetles um, that were swimming. They were upside down, so he was looking at the underside of the beetle and they were walking on the water's surface in the water. Um, he quickly filmed the scene, um, later identified the beetle as the water scavenger beetle, one of the Hydrophilidae species, um, and um, he got great footage of it walking just under the surface as if the, um, the surface of the water was a solid surface, um, you know, every once in a while would stop and change direction. It was not just a accidental movement. It was deliberate and purposeful. Um, and funnily enough, he sort of didn't realise the significance of what he'd seen and, and collected, um, but he mentioned it to a fellow researcher in Leipzig, um, and um, after searching the scientific literature, they they found that very few animals use the underside of the, um, the water's surface 
the uh, meniscus um, to move. Um, there were a number of uh, mollusks, some snails that can crawl on the underside of the surface, water surface on a layer of mucus, um, but little documentation of uh, beetles. Some uh, publications, but um, but actually very very uh, little. Um, the really cool thing about this is um, that. You know, it obviously entails a completely different mechanism of interacting with the surface tension, um, and the team seems to think that the beetles have a big uh, bubble around their abdomen, which makes them very buoyant, um, uh, disproportionately buoyant, and so they turn upside down, stick their legs out, and uh, create uh, take advantage of the being pressed by their buoyancy against the surface tension. Um, it's, um, it's opened up a whole lot of ideas about how the, you know, how repellent different parts of the feet might be to maintain that um, uh, interaction at the surface, uh, in the surface tension. Um, yeah, um, it's the other thing that I'm fascinated by this one is that I've got not a doubt in the world that these are pretty common beetles. Um, and this is, um, you know, it always surprises me that there's something new to be discovered everywhere if you look um, hard enough, that um, something like this that um, probably happens in ponds, well, happens in ponds literally in my backyard, um, is something that uh, will trigger a whole lot of new thought processes and investigations and maybe some new and valuable science, Brendan. Yes, if you don't look, you won't find, Mark. And uh, their thoughts are that it does that particular water walking upside down in order to stay away from ambush predators, which makes sense. But um, And there's a little video that goes with it. We'll link to that at vetgurus.com, the actual article there, and it's a groovy little video, isn't it, Mark? Um, yeah, it's probably something that we've walked past many times and... Um, and we're too dumb to realise that um, it's something that we should be reporting on, Mark. So, yes, you're correct in that um, there's always something new. Um, we just need to open our eyes and not only see it, but realise that we're seeing it, don't we? Um, yes. Good story, Mark. Good story. Well, we don't have a main topic, do we, for this week? We could be at our episode number 200, so we could almost say goodbye and um, see you all next week, or we could have a little chat about a couple of um, previous episodes, Mark, and things we've done in the past and um, where we've got to. I, I think one thing we, we didn't really touch on was how things have changed in the veterinary industry, Mark, and um, I know we graduated very similar times and um, I graduated from University of Melbourne and when I went through, Mark, there was 50 students in the group and I think 47 of us graduated, Mark, um, compared with these days. I think it's 150 or so who are enrolled in first-year veterinary science at Melbourne University, and I'm sure the same would be happening at the University of, um, was it um, Sydney you went to, Mark? It was Sydney. Sydney was my alma mater, and um, I think there was 90... Six um, at the very beginning, and um, maybe seventy-one at graduation. Um, so very proportionate numbers, and and as you suggest, those numbers are, um, are easily doubled um, in in the. And I feel sad for some of the newer 
students mark him in that the numbers that are involved in their practical classes and the potential lack of actual practical experience when they're going through university and I suppose you have a little bit um, of um, contact with some of the universities with your other other um, committees and that you're on mark um, and, and the concerns with that and especially with COVID as well the last couple of years um, and, and getting that practical experience being fit for day one you know um, out there in practice is, is a real challenge for them. Um, I think it's really the opposite. We had, yeah, we had. Um, I think we had four, four in our groups in our last two years of practical, um, the practical sort of period of, of of seeing placements and working through the different departments at the university, and and we would be exhausted at the end of the week if we were say on horse rotations because we were involved in putting our hands inside so many colleagues and, and getting that hands-on experience with them because there was only four in our group. Um, whereas these days with the rotations, I think they struggle to get um, see a large number of cases, let alone um, get hands-on because their groups are so large. But um, how, how do you think the – what's the solution to that, Mark? Oh, it, crazy. Issue? And I think it's it's worldwide, isn't it, this, this concern with the um, – um, lack of sort of um, or the apparent lack um, of, of hands-on and, and practical experience for new graduates? Well, I'd say a couple of things about that. Um, I was uh, privy to the huge amount of efforts that um, the universities made over the, the um, last 18 months, particularly with COVID, to ensure that the rates of exposure to practical experiences were kept up despite um, the decreased opportunity. Um, and I, one of the things that struck me about that was, um, and you, you're well aware of this, Brendan, the, the universities in general um, and the vet schools in particular are being starved of funds. They're being continuously asked to do more with less um, all the time. And, um, and when you have brilliant people like the people who staff our veterinary schools, um, they will find a way to get most of what needs to be done done with less money. But it does mean that that's maybe some of the other research or some of the other aspects of their teaching um, doesn't get um, the, the attention it deserves. And it puts a huge amount of stress onto them as well. So, so I don't mean to be blasé when I say it or, or flippant, but it, it's a money thing, I think, Brendan. It's literally um, uh, uh, the universities need more money and the veterinary schools need more money to continue to produce the graduates, uh, the quality graduates that they've done up to this point. Yes, that's the potential solution, but I don't see that happening, unfortunately. Um, the injection of those funds to universities worldwide is a long way off from happening, Mark, and I think there's a bit of a bit of a difficulty with there's a separation I think with, with some of the universities that have access to those funds and they're traditionally very good at fundraising um, from the corporate and, and private um, sectors that um, that some of them won't notice much um, or, or lesser um, be lesser affected compared with um, other universities who, who have traditionally struggled to to get private funding um, for them, so yes, um, you know I think it needs to be a it needs to be a governmental sort of decision, doesn't it? Um, nationally, with 
with the countries as far as, hey, we need to put money back into our universities instead of sucking it out or, 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 or decreasing the, the real amount that's been given to them over the years. Um, but, you know, getting back to the actual students and the, and the new graduates, I, I, I think it's a, a real difficulty and a challenge for them. And um, then they get out there in that first practice and they may be in a practice where the um, practice owners and, and um, principals are, are putting too much pressure on them because they, 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 they want a vet up to speed fairly quickly, um, especially with the current um, um, drought of, of, of um, vets in practice. Um, and so they just put more pressure on those, those, those new graduates who, who don't have those skills and they just need time um, and they need a, a, a practice owner um, and management team that will spend time with them in order to get them up to speed. Um, I think so I, I, we end up with the private sector then. Sorry, we end up with the yeah. private sector then yelling at the university saying you're not training them fit for practice and um, the uni saying, look, we're doing our best. And, and Look, I think um, the interesting no. thing about that is that I would – this is one of those rare, very rare topics, Brendan, where you and I are going to disagree a little bit. I reckon that the universities are producing outstanding graduates. I think that um, that we might look back at our graduation with a tint of rose-coloured glasses, and I do think that there was um, less pressure on us uh, when we came out, I was just thinking the other day um, about some early cases when I was a, a, a freshly minted vet, and I distinctly remember the clients, uh, you know, literally me saying, uh, look, I have an interest in uh, this area, or I haven't done this procedure before, um, but, um, but you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm prepared to give it a crack. I've got access to some uh, great references and, uh, and I've had like skill and I've got a, a, a senior colleague who'll help me, so we'll give it a go. And the attitude of the clients was very accommodating. Yeah, that's a, a good thing. And if you, you know, if things don't work out, then, you know, You'll You've be tried your best. Yeah, yeah, and and things will be better for the next animal. I think our um, current crop of vets, uh, even the relatively recent graduates, uh, immediately put on the you know this must be successful or else, and I think that gives them a little bit of um, you know with there there is the myth that recent graduates are more likely than we were to refer to specialists. Um, I think they um, they suffer from the pressure of clients going, well, you know, how many of these have you done? Do you know someone who's done a whole bunch of them? And so they do refer to specialists and they have so many more specialists to refer to than when we were recent graduates. So yes. it's a complicated I, I think you've got got to the crux of it there, Mark, in that the, the pressure from the clients has changed. Um, so you have the, you know, we certainly didn't have that. Um, we, we don't didn't have the client coming in with a wad of papers or, or these days internet references and saying, look, um, you told me you're, you know, this this rabbit has gut stasis and I've done a bit of research. <laughs> um, and, you know, as soon as they say that, I switch off. I don't know about you, but I've done a bit of research and they, they come in with all this information and they, they, they open up their iPad or whatever and um, show you the, and, and, and they, they give you a lecture. 
of 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 how you should treat their bunny with gut stasis. Mark, have you had that? Every one of us has had that. Um, whether it's those of us that work with unusual and exotic and avian pets, or um, uh, those of us that spend most of our t- most of their time just. Uh, um, with the wonderful com- traditional companion animals, or even I'm sure um, uh, some of our equine veterinarian friends um, have to deal with people wandering in with great great swathes of paper to explain to them how they should be doing their job. Um, yep, yeah, it's a universal thing. I don't, do you, so you you jest that you switch off, but you have strategies to deal with this sort of stuff, don't you, Brendan? Yeah, yes, and whether they work or not is um, is another question. Um, perhaps we'll we'll add this topic to our sort of mental health type um, podcast series, and we'll start um, that we'll have coming up soon. Mark, um, I think it's a good one to go into a little bit of depth with it. Um, with that, I mean, the only other com- so we'll, I reckon we leave it till another podcast. But the, the only other comment I'd have regarding that is, to, um, you know, how many people go into their GP? Um, and and stand in front of their GP and and produce a lot of information and saying um, y- you've told me I've got chronic kidney problems. Um, I've done a bit of research and um, this is what I think. Um, so um, where's you know there's a disconnect, isn't there? Do you think it's a, a lack of what is it? Is it a lack of respect for vets compared with other healthcare professionals? What do you think, Mark? Um. I'd be, I, I don't know that I got a, an immediate answer. I, I, I suspect, um, I suspect dentists get it less, but I suspect GPs have people that rock up with um, a little folder of um, of likely diagnoses for their obscure uh, clinical signs, and um, yeah, I, 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 so, and I, like you said, it's a discussion for a more a more expensive discussion for another time, but um, I think. I think we need to embrace it. I think that um, patient or owner agency may be one of the things that um, lessens the pressure um, in one way, um, that uh, facilitating that contribution they feel they've had. Um, and, of course, you can't do that without time. But um, but I think, you've yeah, you may have hit on a... a um, a little bit of a we'll, we'll talk to some of our medical colleagues and see if they're dealing with the same problems yes yes so i think the pressures have increased over time compared with uh, what you mentioned in the old days when we graduated yeah we did have it have it good in one respect but we also um struggle with long hours that's for sure mark and um i don't know about you but i was working every second night on call and every second weekend um, I was on call in the first small animal practice that I that I worked in and it's just what you had to deal with because I think we only had one or two after hours emergency practices in in Melbourne where I worked did you have something similar Mark? Precisely the same sort of story Brendan and we had no out of hours um, uh, hospitals when we when you know when I first started working in Newcastle um, and much the same sort of alternate nights, um, uh, alternate weekends. Um, but I have got to say one thing. I really think um, that amongst veterinarians of roughly our cohort, there seems to be two broad schools of thought um, as to, you know, one school of thought seems to be, well, I did it, so everyone now should give it a crack and 
and do it. Um, and I disagree strongly with that. I think just because we did it didn't make it right and we should be powerful advocates for, you know, that work-life balance and um, taking advantage and supporting um, emergency hospitals so they can provide that expert um, uh, out-of-hours care um, for those emergency cases and it's not less left to tired general practitioners. Yes. Well, we can have a deeper discussion in, in, in <laughs> upcoming we're, web. We're, we're picking up whole, now, old habits. No, we're picking up a whole lot of new topics we can um, touch on over the uh, um, the next 50 episodes. So we'll slide up to 250 without any problem at all. Yes, yes. So I think looking at those early days in practice, Mark, I mean, I can just remember some of the things that went on in the practices <laughs> that I worked at and, gee, they're pretty hairy, some of the things that um, happened. And I, I think I was fortunate in a way um, in one respect and that I was thrown in the deep end and I don't know whether I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I had a call from my then boss, so it was a two-vet practice myself and the boss, um, and six months after I started graduating, I had a phone call and it was um, the nurse, I was consulting and the nurse came in and said, oh, the boss is on the phone. And I um, went to the phone. I thought, oh, yeah, he's just calling in sick and I have to cover him for today. And he said, I'm having some personal issues. I've gone bush. And um, he'd literally um, gone bush, Mark. Um, and I had to run the practice on my own for, for several weeks after six months of being um, out so I sort of learnt pretty quickly then and when I caught up with my my mates from university which I did regularly at that stage um, I, one positive was that when I got through it and two that um, I was quite more advanced as far as the surgeries and, and the things that I just had to muck in and do um, because I had no other choice at that time but yeah it was a pretty highly stressful time there um, with it do you have many um, sort of – can you – I'm going to put you on the spot here. Any sort of memorable cases from early on in your career that um, that really stand out in those first couple of years or so of from graduation, Mark? Yeah, definitely. I definitely have it. And it's one of the things that, um, that I suppose I, I – when I was thinking about having this discussion with you, I thought, you know, those – at first I thought these cases are not – overwhelming you know they 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 um come and they go and your career goes on but um i do remember some like you said uh, uh particularly stressful events particular and i've got um one case um you know that uh that really gave me an awful lot of um uh, time and trouble and worry um and and eventually um we worked our way around a, a distressed client and and all the emotions that went with it and at the time I thought oh that's good we've sort of packaged that away uh, but on reflecting on those first few years those in, those cases still jump up in your mind even at uh, the latter days of a professional career um, they stick with you and um, and I reckon there's probably two or three cases each year that uh, that really hang in there with me and and um, and remind me to just uh, um, you know, stay connected. These things will pass. They seem emotional and huge at the time, um, but um, but we get past it all eventually. And I think the ones that I always remember are similar, and at the very sort of 
emotionally charged episodes or, or cases um, during those early days that really hit home with things, whether they're good or bad results. I mean, one of the bittersweet ones that I I had was a, a, a client screeching into the car park in his car and, and, and screaming out, you know, where's the vet, where's the vet? And he'd been at home, he had a German Shepherd um, at home and he practised hitting golf balls in his backyard um, into a net um, and the dog would go and fetch the golf ball and bring it back to him and he'd, he'd practise his golf swing in his backyard with the driver mark and um, for what some unknown reason the, the dog decided to try and grab the ball just as he was on the downswing um, and he literally hit it full pelt um, into the into the head and the, the dog was still alive. I, I, I came out into the car park and I was on the back of a a, a ute um, as we have them in Australia a, a little trade truck and it was still twitch in there but it had a had a pretty obvious um, depressed um, skull um, fracture there and it um, did a couple of convulsions and and died even before we got it into the clinic but it was just tragic you know this poor guy and he you know he'd blaming himself that he'd, he'd and he'd done this practice with his golf swing and the dog and the balls every 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 weekend for you know months if not years and I just decided to grab that ball at the wrong time so you know it's 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 dealing with those things that I I think are always a challenge early on and and you learn coping techniques for yourself but also to help the client deal with the grief of of losing a losing a pet um so that's one that really sticks out to me which was very very early on in that first year And you can't th- can you think of any? Um, um, you probably can't think of any, or you don't want to mention any sort of memorable cases from early on. Um, I've got a bit of a funny one that I can uh, just uh, to another year or two later when I was doing the odd um, odd little um, project for for wildlife capture, Mark, um, and um, I got paid quite handsomely to 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 jump on a plane and and fly up for the day to. Um, Canberra, um, the, the Australian Capital Territory. So fly from Melbourne to Canberra, which is only about an hour's flight, and take um, the tranquilizer gun to uh, anaesthetise some some kangaroos that were in a, a fenced off area that were part of a study for um, for um, a parasite. I'm not going to mention what parasite it is, but um, that they infected these kangaroos with the parasite. So my job was to to um, dart these kangaroos so that they could then um, humanely euthanize them um, and it was I'm just amazed at how slack things were at those those times because I had the the gun case that looked like something out of the mafia um, when I, when I when I, and I just literally went up to the the Qantas desk and, and, and put the case on the tr- on the on the little conveyor belt then and uh, there it goes it goes through um, to the other end and then you go and pick it up on the carousel <laughs> somehow I don't think that had happened these days um, and I did have my permit with me Mark at that stage I had to have a a written permit from the Chief Commissioner of Police in Victoria that was signed by the Chief Commissioner um, that said I had a special weapons permit they called it um, in those days so I, I I've got it somewhere at my special weapons permit Mark um, and uh, and the, it was a bit of a disaster the actual um, tranquilizing of the of, of the animals because they were in this um, very bushy um, enclosure that was 
several acres and uh, they um, had some um, people who were who um, they they asked them to gently um, to gently herd um, the kangaroos towards where I was sort of hiding um, so I could um, dart them and then then we could bag them up and, and euthanize them and their idea of gently herding the kangaroos and they were in a, a fully enclosed um, wire you know cyclone fence system um, oh. was to get some poles and just to bash bash the fences um, as and, and make lots of noise <laughs> so you can imagine what happened with the kangaroos they just went um, crazy and were just just jumping around and and flying around the enclosure and bouncing off the fence so it took us a while to try and settle them down and and um, it was a a challenge mark um that trip um so yeah so that's one of the interesting ones or 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 fun ones and i think that's part of the fun of dealing with unusual pets isn't it some of the um working out systems and strategies for things that you you, you'll never see and and you'll never see again probably and techniques that um are not in textbooks and you've got need to think laterally and i think that's uh, what's kept me sort of going in in the industry is is um the variety and the fun of all these cases that we see you do have to be a little bit of a macgyver and um geez i'm thinking you were much better shot than I imagined you to be, Brendan. Did you get actually get it? Because I know if I had one of the, I've seen those guns and um, the uh, the tranquilizer dart guns. Um, they're difficult to shoot. I've had a crack, not at a, a yeah, patient because they never went near. Yeah, they're low velocity, that. aren't they? They're low velocity, so they go on a bit of an arc. So you have to be a bit careful. I mean, I, I had another disaster, or or a definite disaster, with the tranquilizer gun. At one stage, we I got called out to a farm, a local farm, and they had several pigs, large white um, land race or whatever pigs, and they just um, one of them had escaped, or a few of them had escaped from the from the piggery, and into their little bush block, Mark. And and they couldn't catch up this last pig. Um, they caught the other ones. Um, so they phoned us up and said, "Oh, you know, have you got a, you've got a vet there who can dart pigs and <laughs> and come out and sedate it for us, and we can put it back in the enclosure because it had been out for several days or a week or so. I can't remember, and it had developed sunburn. It was in summer, um, and it was um, they were worried about the pig, um, but that was an absolute disaster as well because they expected me me to sit on the you know, um, veranda of their their farm, um, and to be able to dart this pig that was probably three hundred meters away in the bush, um, and um, that wasn't going to happen. So I I tried to do a bit of a Rambo and was um, spent a few hours in the bush just hiding and and trying to get them gently to herd the the pig past me and um, had a couple of shots that missed and gave up in the end and. Um, they were pretty pissed off and I, I headed off home and uh, that was the end of that story. They didn't call me again after that. I don't know why. The One of the things that um, we do have to touch on uh, before we finish up, Brendan, is um, I, do, I want to take this opportunity. Uh, one of the things that we did in reviewing our um, our podcast for the 200th episode was to have a quick scan through all the topics we've done, um, the 200 topics we've covered in those episodes. And one thing stood out to me 
Well, a couple of things stood out to me, but one thing above all others, and that is the outstanding names. I've got to not take any credit for this. I'm completely happy to take a lot of the credit that you deserve, but it would be ultimately unfair if I took credit for the puns, the numerous puns, uh, the in-jokes, the wonderful series of names, how you keep it up for um, such an extended period of time. I don't know, and I want to give you my congratulations and thanks that you have. You bring it In many ways, you bring a smile to my face, Brendan, and not least of them is in the title of our podcasts. There's an unlimited supply of dad jokes, I think, in, in our titles there, Mark, and um, yeah, they just pop into my head, most of them, I must admit. So um, thank you. And yeah, we've I'm looking at that um, list there, Mark, and we've covered a lot of things. Interestingly enough, some of the ones that were our most popular episodes were ones that I would not have picked, like anal gland surgery, um, Mark, which is episode 12, was was a very popular one there. Um, and the ones that tend to be more popular are the practical type ones, especially anesthesia and surgical um, techniques for particular individual problems, Mark, with, with, with specific species, those sort of specific topics, Mark, what people want, and, um, and we'll quit, keep doing those as long as people want us to do them. And the only way you're going to get that topic that you want as a main topic is to send an email to vetgurus at gmail.com and we will do it, Mark. Um, so, But no, we've had some interesting um, topics there, Mark, and yes, um, hopefully we'll keep going for another 50 to 100, if not longer, and I think I mentioned a few episodes ago, one of the other podcasts I listened to, they crossed their 1,000th episode, Mark, and they're up to 1,010 now, and I thought, gee, that's a, that's a big a, bit, a big um, peak to try and aim for, isn't it, Mark? But who knows? Um, I think we'll be on our walking sticks by the time we do episode 1000, if we ever end up getting there. Um, and we also need to, we've had a, the other really popular ones, Mark, have been the interviews we've had um, with various other, other veterinarians. So, and I know we've had a few that we've sort of had in the wings ready to to interview, but we've been a bit slack. Um, we need to get out there and, or at least get on the internet and interview for some of these others that we've that have said yes um, to to our request for an interview, um, and we need to get them out there as well. So because it's always fascinating, isn't it? Listen, listening to how people got to where they are um, in in our industry, Mark, and and all the little tributaries tribute all, all the little ways they take um, to get there um, and um, yeah I just I, I, no wonder they're popular um, those particular episodes yeah um, is there any episodes that stand out for you Mark before we head off I, do, I, I was just going to say how um, how particularly special uh, it, it's a unique thing that our profession allows us to um, become acquaintances even friends with some just amazing people and the interesting thing about those interview style podcasts is that they so often reveal things like I feel like I know a lot of these people really well and I'm already impressed with them but then you just chat to them for half an hour an hour um, and the things that um, that pop out and the things that you learn about them um, just enhance my sense of amazement at the life they've lived and the achievements they've had and and just so many of them in our profession um, go through those uh, as you suggested those different pathways um, and uh, and not all those achievements are, are 
gloriously widely celebrated, but um, but yeah, I'm always happy to listen to them and be more aware of the things that people are doing. Yes, and if any of our subscribers have a veterinary colleague that they think would be good to have on our podcast, just send us an email, vetgurus at gmail.com with their contact details, and um, we'd be more than happy to see if they'll have a bit of a chat to us, Mark. Have a yarn, as we as we say in Australia. Um, so, and I think we better get out of here um, because I think the only people that are listening are to those who won the um, competition, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> perhaps not. And um, a big um, congratulations to Ruth and Anne for winning, and um, condolences to all, all the rest of you who are. Um, said hello to us um, and um, applied for it. And uh, I, I just found out what um, Jen from Oxbow Australia um, was providing, Mark, um, a bit of a swag of things including, and I'd, I'd love this one, a, a, a bunny wine stopper, Mark. Um, now that's priceless, isn't it? Um, that is priceless. Um, that would go straight to the pool room if it was um, if it was something that I um, won, Mark. So thanks, Jen. Um, and, and I think with that, we have a bit of an outtakes um, to take us out, Mark, and we will talk to you all next week. And thank you for listening, especially for those of you who have listened to all 200 episodes. Um, that's great. Talk to you next week. I don't know whether you can hear me now, Brendan. I doubt it. Oh, no. I'm going to have to pause here. At- you can't hear me, obviously. And I'll just cut it out there, Mark. Oh, there you go. I can hear you now. That's better. So, yeah, try. Brendan, can you hear me? Oh, I think you've jo- dropped off again. Brendan, can you hear me? This is just going to be a disaster. Mark's just dropped off there. So while he while he waits to get back in, I will continue on with the story. I didn't realise how viral it had gone. That was kind of funny. And I don't know what's happened to Dr. Brendan. I don't... No, nothing there. I literally don't know what to do now. Mark, I've, um, I've, I think I've lost your your voice there a little bit. Just get a bit closer to the microphone and try again and we'll see. Brendan, can you hear me? Brendan, can you hear me? Thanks for listening to the Vet Podcast by the Vet Gurus. Don't forget to visit us at the website, vetgurus.com, where you can subscribe, view show notes, listen to previous episodes and more. You can contact us via email at vetgurus at gmail.com to ask a question or just say hi. Thanks again and see you next time. Hold up. 